Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 281. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreau. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 281 you're listening to. My guest today is a long distance away from me, 8,623 miles approximately. I looked it up. From Lafayette, California to Chennai, India, 8,623 miles. I'm talking about Baba Prasad, who is the owner of Digi Sound Studios located in Chennai, India. Bob and I met because he reached out to me and asked me some questions about podcasting. And being the type of person I am, I hate typing long-winded technical emails to anybody or texts. You know, I tend to like to keep it somewhat short and to the point. And so I said, hey, could we just jump on a Zoom call so I can answer your question? He was more than happy to. We met. I started to look at his studio online, ask him a few questions. Long story short, he's now on the show because I thought... It's not every day I have somebody from India on. And in fact, I thought Baba was my first guest from India, but as it turns out, I was wrong. The first guest from India was my brother from Mixed with the Masters when I went in 2017 to see Chad Blake, and I met Rishi Bradu there. So Rishi technically was the first guest from India. So Baba is the second guest. So very much looking forward to bringing you our guest today all the way from Chennai, India. Coming up, Baba Prasad here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Grab your coffee cups, friends. Let me tell you what I've been up to. Coffee coming in three, two, one. Mm. All right, first off, many, many, many moons ago on one of these episodes, I don't know which one, I mentioned a subscription service called Masterclass, and you may have heard of this. This is, of course, the uh, series that allows you to watch videos from people from all different areas of entertainment and cooking and sports. And we're talking like, you know, uh, Gordon Ramsay or Steph Curry or Warner Herzog or Annie Leibovitz talking about their special things, whether it's basketball, cooking, photography or filmmaking, whatever it is. I really get a lot out of this subscription. Watching and listening to these people who are on a really high level, who have a ton of experience, talking about their creative endeavors, I draw a lot of inspiration from that. And there are ideas that can be cherry-picked from that that can be applied to the world of audio. You know, and you may think, well, how can Annie Leibovitz possibly, you know, with her photography, inspire me in audio? Approach it with a fresh beginner's mind, and I think you'll you'll find the value in it. Over this past weekend, I had to do some major cleaning. My wife and I woke up and we're like, we gotta clean this house up. It's just we're so all so busy that stuff is just falling by the wayside. So we kind of divided and conquered the house in terms of cleaning chores. And so with a pair of headphones on and my phone in my pocket, I instead of watching it, I was listening to David Lynch talk about filmmaking and I don't know if any of you are familiar with David Lynch. I know many of you are, but there's probably a lot of you who are are not. 
He's made films like Lost Highway, Eraserhead. You just got to check out his, his, I don't know what you call it, his filmography. Yeah. Anyways, his work is really interesting and somewhat creepy. He's also behind Twin Peaks. So for those of you that are into that show. So anyways, got great inspiration just listening to him talk about filmmaking. And he actually went into a little bit of working class audio style discussion about his early days of struggling and what he did to, you know, kind of make his situation work. And I, I thought that was really interesting. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Masterclass. It is a subscription thing that will cost you, I think it's a couple hundred dollars a year. And I know that a lot of you don't have a lot of income right now because of the virus and the quarantining and all that business. So put it on your list of things to get afterwards. It's not an immediate thing that you got to jump into, but it's definitely something that I think you can pull a lot of inspiration from. I certainly do. Second thing that's really been uh, intriguing me is uh, I mentioned we cleaned out the shed because we don't have a garage. We have this shed. And over the course of the week, we've been kind of, we, meaning my 11-year-old and and I, uh, we've been going in there and cleaning things up even more, carving out a creative space. And one of the things that we put in there was uh, a 3D printer that we have. And we started printing up out of a conversation my son and I had, we started printing up CD spindles. You know, when CDs used to come like, you know, 25, 50, 100 discs on a spindle. I didn't have any of those. And so we printed up several of them. It takes about four hours to print one. And they're super strong. They're really well built. Anyways, why am I printing CD spindles? So we're going through boxes and we're pulling up old data discs of Pro Tools sessions and old CDs of just commercial CDs and trying to consolidate boxes of CDs and data disks so that we can free up space so we can have more of a creative space in there to do soldering and 3D printing and experimental audio things and computer things. And in doing so, a couple of things came out of that. Number one, when hard drive space used to be really expensive, I went through a period of backing up Pro Tools sessions to uh, blank CDs. And then I went through a period of backing up to DVDs because DVDs had more space. And I could tell you without a doubt from my experience that the CDs are failing left and right. I'm put, putting these session, er, putting these discs in and, and trying to pull up these sessions and these discs are just unreadable. They're just dying. The DVDs on the other hand are holding the data and being recoverable, which has been really uh, interesting to see. And in doing so, I came across a Pro Tools session that was 21 years old from a band that I loved working with, but they didn't put this particular song out. And I couldn't understand it at the time, and we won't go into it here, but it, to me, it's a great song, and I enjoyed it. Long story short, it was a Pro Tools Pro Tools 431 session, 21 years old, 1999, February 1999. And through some tricks I learned working with John Cunaberti on some Joe Satriani masters from way back when, I was able to pull this session up without a problem. It was fantastic and apply some of the techniques and ideas that I have now about mixing that I didn't have 21 years ago. Not to mention that, you know, the technologies. Pulled that up and and was able to put together a mix and I'm actually going to present it to the singer of the band who I'm still in contact with and see if he's interested in putting it out because I, I still think the song is fantastic and didn't understand why they didn't put it out back then. Anyhow, my studio, my mix and mastering room is here in my house. It's a one of the bedrooms and one of the problems that I run into is when I'm in the middle of doing, say, 
a podcast like I'm doing right now, the kids don't know if I'm on a call, if I'm just talking to myself or what. They can't tell until they come right up to the door and they open the door. And sometimes I get interrupted. And one of the kids said, you need a recording sign to put out there so we know when you're actually doing some work. So I got myself the coolest, what I think is the coolest sign from this uh, little company in North Dakota of all places. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this sign. If you want to get one too, it was like 60 bucks. It's plexiglass and it's got an old uh, sure. What is that? The 55? I can't even remember the model number, but like, you know, the old style kind of Elvis mic and the word recording. And then when you turn this switch on, boom, red LEDs come on and it looks beautiful. So I'm going to include a link in the show notes. Maybe you want to get one yourself. It's on Etsy and uh, they come in ceiling mounted, wall mounted, floor or, uh, you know, desk mounted, however you want to do it. There's a lot of different varieties you can get, but really was happy with the results of how this came out and it shipped so quickly. So thumbs up on that. So that's it. Most of you already know about Grace Design and have known about them for years. Uh, they've been around since 1994. It was started by the two brothers, Michael and Eben Grace, who still run the company to this day. And you already know that they make incredible sounding products for us all. What you might not know if you don't know them is that Michael and Eben are two of the nicest people on the planet. Easily approachable, very knowledgeable. You might have met them at a trade show and experienced this. Without a doubt, it's one of my favorite companies out there in the world of pro audio. You might have heard me a few times talking about the Grace 908 Atmos controller. I think the most elegant solution, if you're going to be doing Atmos, that is the best solution out there, as far as I'm concerned, hands down. And prior to that, I was using the Stereo 905 controller for many years. Not only that, but most recently, I've used their 108 mic pre's to do the Room 219 combo jazz record that you might have heard me talk about. The point is, is that they check all the boxes for me. They're incredibly nice people. They make incredibly great products. They're located here in the United States in Lyons, Colorado, and employ a number of people. They're the epitome of a small business here in the U.S., and I just love that whole thing. So if you are in the market for mic preamps or instrument preamps or monitor controllers, this is the company to check out hands down. If you don't know about them, go to gracedesign.com, check them out. And if you're in the market for any of those products, you absolutely have to consider what they offer because what they offer is superior build quality and sound quality. And those of you who bought their products in the 90s that are still using them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So check them out, gracedesign.com. I know the business of audio is a frustrating one sometimes. The audio part's pretty, pretty fun, but it's the business of it and the career part of it that's a little challenging to many of us. I can completely empathize with that. And if you thought to yourself, God, I wish I could talk to somebody about this, you can do that. You could talk with me about it. As a matter of fact, you can book me for a coaching and consulting call over Zoom very simply. Just head on over to workingclassaudio.com. If you click on the menu button at the top of the menu, there is a link that says coaching and consulting with Matt. Super simple. Click on the link, book me in for an hour on a Zoom call, and we will discuss your particular situation, and I will help you get refocused, re-inspired, and figure out what is the best path forward for you. If your situation requires a little more extensive conversation, we can absolutely book a series of calls 
And like I say, get you focused and get you moving forward. I've been there. And when you don't have anybody to talk to about it, it's a little frustrating. So head on over to workingclassaudio.com, click on the menu button and book yourself in for a Zoom call with me. And we can sit down and chat, coffee's in hand, ready to tackle the business of audio together. All right, let's get to it. Baba Prasad here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Baba, welcome to the podcast. Well, Matt, thank you for having me here. And then it's a great honor and pleasure. I didn't expect this from WCA. (laughs) So... Yeah, you got to watch out. If you if you send me a question, you might end up on the show. <laughs> well, that's great. Anybody who will listen to this, be forewarned. If you have a question, watch out, because I might recruit you to be on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah. So you're, you're talking to us. How do you say the name of your city? Chennai. Chennai. From what I understand of Chennai, I don't know how you feel about this, but... It's often referred to as the Detroit of India because there's so much car manufacturing that takes place there. Is that is that accurate? Yes, very true. You're correct. Because of a lot of import and export is happening and a lot of cars are manufactured. Not only the cars, but also the automobile parts which are getting manufactured here, like the crankshaft or the gearbox. Mm-hmm. So third-party companies or vendors, they ship it to abroad. So now it has become a mini Detroit, as you say. Yeah. That's that's what I read. I had no idea. Well, so your journey in audio began how many years ago? I can say approximately 96 or 1995. So I had a passion from the childhood. That's how it started. I'm curious about your story. You told me that when we had our preliminary discussion about things and you were telling me about how you got into things, I'd love for you to tell the audience the story about the pro audio store that you encountered and not only how they treated you, but also the discovery that that you made in the garbage one day. Well, that's interesting one. Thanks for reminding me, Matt, about that. See, when I was very young and the thing is, I was actually born in a music family. I'm a South Indian percussionist myself. So I play the classical drum known as Mridangam. My father is actually a well-established dance teacher, classical dance teacher. And I had this passion because he used to go and record in these studios to record the songs of Bharatanatyam, that is the classical dance. So there, that's where uh, when I entered the studio, that spark just stuck me as a career in this. Then things started from there. So from that time, even though I was doing my, because being a teenager, you know, across the schoolings, the college days or whatever. So I just do that for the qualification's sake. But in my mind, I was not interested in academics at all. (laughs) (laughs) After that, I had to study computer science because in late 90s plus, computer science was a hot subject in whole India, I think. And everywhere it was just software, software, software not about audio. So I just had to force myself because I thought to set up a studio or something, you financially need a support. So what I did is actually took up a career in IT industry and then just tried to Singapore and then I got a job there. And then it started there as an IT guy. So I just, I want to ask you a little bit of detail about your IT world. And were you doing that just to generate money? And did you have any interest whatsoever in computer science? Yeah, well, I had interest in because I was fascinated by the computer language and I was not good at this coding or, you say, programming, but I was just good at the database enterprise management, particularly 
as a database administrator we call a dba if i am right so i was good at that and then i thought that i should take up that because that little amount of interest might help me in getting the finance to set up my studio just to make my dreams come true i need to resist something to generate the financial backup so you say that you started your first job in singapore yeah here i did a couple of part time jobs and full time jobs but i thought the money what i got in chennai was not enough so i thought i'll just apply for apply in abroad so that uh, i would like to get a sufficient amount to save some thing to get up the gear and you know mm. to set up the studio what is singapore like from your perspective as a city it's beautiful it's very clean it's fully business 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 i could just see that people just fully are from morning 7 to maybe night 10 fully they are into work so very hard working country i love the country's the workflow the way the whole country is organized i've never been i'd i'd like to go someday i think you should visit matt tell me about the store that you encountered in in singapore oh yeah well that's an interesting one earlier days the moment i got the job and then things was took time or things just got settled slowly because i need to pay my room rental and for food and being a bachelor i need to cater all little money and what happened is i could not go to big big places for audio but i thought that singapore is also a big heaven for me because i could access any brand you tell or any audio brand you tell they were the distributors or dealers in singapore ah uh. So also the music stores are big, were very huge. And what I did is all the friends, you know, the IT guys, my friends used to call me, "Hey, it's Friday, come on, man, just head up to the bar and have fun." I said, "Well, I can't drink. I don't have that ab- this habit at all. So I have another addiction." <laughs> They were shocked. What was that? <laughs> and then I said, "Well, I can't call it that. We call it, I think, the GAS, Gear Acqu- Acquisition Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gas problem. So instead of that, well, first I need to figure out what is available because I was so new to this field. Even though I had the passion, what I did is I used to walk every store in Singapore and just do kind of a window shopping because the moment you enter the shop, the sales guy used to tell me, "Hey, what do you want? What do you want?" Like thing, and then they say. I asked them can I just touch the mixer or you know I have a feel of what is this mixer and faders they say no 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 I mean if you want to pay you take it or else can you please get out of the store it's very harsh I was like oh my god what the heck is this and then I used to go behind the glass window and then peep in and watch the price tag everything is like $600 $1000 $1200 to $2000 big speakers were expensive everything was expensive i was thinking like oh my god i don't have even like 200 dollars or 500 dollars in my bank how am i going to get all this and then do the things then uh, the time was just passing and months were passing and then i collected sufficient amount of money another interesting story is oh if i need to get this particular 600 dollar gear or maybe a 1000 dollar gear or an equipment i think let me just skip the breakfast or something <laughs> so i did the weird things <laughs> so it's like oh okay let me just drink some juice or something and let me not have breakfast today so that I can just uh, skip something and then things were getting worse so i thought this is not the right way and then later i saved a couple of 100 dollars and then i could manage to get a gear so one day i just entered one store in singapore i don't remember now so there uh, i was just asking the store guys the sales guys hey can i just grab some catalogs or brochures because those days internet was not that popular because of its data availability and there was no broadband at all if i remember it was just in kbps the connections so i need to 
just browse you know a normal kind of thing not even watch a video or this thing it was not high speed so manually all these catalogs were available in all the stores so that guy said can you just go out out of out of the store so that we have some thrashes there and you can pick up the catalogs or something then i went out and then i thought okay even that might just feed me something to get some knowledge about the gears so yeah. i just started uh, searching the catalogs and brochures or the pamphlets we used to call it there i just found this guide called spirit guide to mixing but well, i think it's there in the soundcraft site if i'm correct now you can go and check that you don't have to go to the trash in in, in <laughs> no, into no. the garbage of of singapore pro audio stores to find it <laughs> so well it's like that but mad believe it or not when i was in a hunger to know all these nuances and technologies of the gear and stuff and all these tech terms nobody taught me and everybody was just turning their heads and say oh, no no I, i we don't teach or anything or i mean it's not your area no so why you should why you should know so which was pretty annoying for me and i felt very depressed but when i got that guide and then when i just opened that book even though it is a very small book i found that ton of information was there and then uh, it was a big eye opener for me mm. then i could uh, trace that one man's trash is other man's treasure Absolutely. <laughs> so that worked for me, Matt. I'm personally frustrated by the fact that people were so rude to you and so not very encouraging. Exactly. It's kind of the guys in the store in Singapore, you'd think that if you educate somebody and give them that value that eventually they're going to come back and be a customer. Well, yeah, but as you say it's correct but not all the people were there like that. Only just one or two maybe they have deadline on the sales call or they could not meet it. I feel like that. Because it's the moment you start and stare at a gear near the store, they think that you're going to buy that for $600 or $1000. dollars mm. So they don't make it right. I say, well, first before that, I just need to try. But there were other stores and even the same store, other people were not like that. And to be frank, I want to share this that there were other stores who were really helping me to try a lot of gears after that. And then there was a store called I think Cinemax dot com. I think if you remember, they were so kind. And every week I used to go there and like you know the Taylor guitars were there, a lot of gears were there, like a hands-on thing, you know. So. I should thank that store because every week it was like for me a treasure or something visiting that store. I learned a lot. Well, back to your story of the the spirit guide to recording. Tell me about how that encouraged you and and the knowledge that you got out of that. Well, first before even getting this guide from the spirit from the trash can, I actually went like a how the normal guys approach to SAE or a School of Audio Engineering. There was a branch in Singapore also. So when I asked the fees they were telling about it's about $22,000 or $25,000 I really don't remember but it was too high I mean I had my salary I think approximately $2,000 per month and in that I need to pay rent I need to pay for my food and accommodation or whatever and manage my general stuff so I thought that where can I go for $25,000 I mean it was beyond my I don't know it's too much yeah so then I asked like can i have some brochure or something i think i don't remember they were they were asking i think some charge or some form filling $25 or $50 i said okay i don't need anything so i just backed off from this place and then when i got this guide the spirit guide to mixing that was as you say that uh, everything was just drawn like for a layman terms even though the tech terms were explained mm. i could see that whatever i was looking for so long everything was there in one shot so i could understand the signal flow what is a preamp 
what is this frequency eq the ox send pre post group pan you name it it has it and it explained it in great detail very nice yes you're correct hmm. it was amazing to me matt well so you have this moment with this guide and what did it encourage you to do well after that i started my journey of getting a analog mixer i think my first mixer was this maki 12012 vlz series okay in the 90s 95 96 1996 i bought the first mixer i still have it man you don't believe it i still have it <laughs> and i don't want to sell it it's still working and from that mixer i could uh, trace the study of this guide to mixing by spirit and then i could easily translate what was happening inside a mixer because i remember all the bad things happened to me and you know now it was like a treasure or a reference guide so that things were so easy to follow on a mixer then i started slowly accumulating the gears in singapore as audio started to take more of a a front seat spot in your life as it started to occupy your mind more and more how did you feel mentally about the job you were doing oh yeah that's a great question well i loved my job and as usual things were going on because software job were it's like works on pretty deadline model if i'm right and then you need to deliver things whenever the boss ask and then there were a lot of meetings and you know design stuff and then also coding stuff so i need to take care of everything you know the regular it stuff but when friday comes i just can't concentrate my job and like again i need to move to the store and then start meddling the gear right so friday saturday sunday the shops are closed so friday saturday is like whole day for me is hanging in any audio store that was my only thing and every week i used to wait and count till the friday weekend comes and then either i'm at the music store or at my audio store <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it started and then I used to first spend a lot of time lot of time listening world music you see and I think there's a store called in HMV in Singapore which is like four or five stories just CDs 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 nothing else huge music store yeah yes huge yeah I've, I've been and to an HMV like, yeah like I also I think Singapore has a tower records if I'm right yeah well at that time Yeah at that time yeah but to me when i entered the store i felt like oh my god this is heaven on earth i think that i should be here for 3 or 4 hours till these guys close the stores so i used to spend ground floor it was i think just the hip hop and r&b stuff and rap and other things and then the second floor was just i think ost original motion picture soundtrack a movie soundtrack cd's and then uh, there was another room with very isolated just for western classical music like uh, beethoven mozart Handel, Vivaldi, all these classical stuff because it's isolated and that's another room. And then on the third floor, I think they were having other rock music and metal, heavy metal, and those kind of genres, and also world music. So you would just spend an afternoon just going out from floor to floor <laughs> yes. to floor at HMV, like yes. every week. Wow, <laughs> yeah, every week. So what I want to tell here is, born from a classical. indian classical family even though i know my instrument very well and the music very well i need to expose my ears or tune my ears to various music to be another example is world music if i'm correct so started hearing all this latin pop 
African Celtic music, Irish Celtic. I'm a great fan of Irish Celtic music. So it just opened up my mind. Like I was not just hearing music, but I was just also thinking how this recording was done. And I used to open the CD case and then flip through the track names and the company, record company, and also find the mix engineer's name there. <sighs> And then go go back and then do a net search and then read their biography and the things started like that. So my search was too much on the net, uh, figuring out what these guys were doing and then what these great engineers were trying to achieve and why. My question is like, why is when somebody mixes ACDC or or Metallica or Aerosmith's band or whatever, all these big big label artists, why when these engineers mix, why it was sold a million records in a week? Or in a month, that was my thing going on in my mind for years. So that time while you were in Singapore seems to be a time of self-education, of researching gear, researching music, researching those who are behind the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was never officially trained as a sound engineer. Well, plus you didn't have to pay twenty five thousand dollars for it, <laughs> which is that's, that's a huge saving. Really great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you see, the thing is, actually, the journey was tough, but I never gave up. Some people say that, I mean, sound engineers, I think you're not going to be, get good paid. I think if you can set up a studio, even if you go back to your hometown, I don't think you're going to be rewarded with something good or something. All these negative comments were coming on because they don't want to meet maybe the friend circle or maybe my family. That time, the parents were pretty strict, but my father was pretty relaxed because he's a musician. <laughs> so he encouraged me. <laughs> I know all the mothers have this problem like I think you should earn you know the the typical indian style but I can't say my mother was against but still the support was there and then but the problem is I could not continue and I don't want to have a typical it life you see because my mind was always going in the creativity mode I can say so that's tough when you have a lot of pressure from family and friends they want you to do things a particular way yeah I've definitely encountered that in the past with <laughs> not so much with family, but with, with friends that I knew. Oh, why don't you doing what you're doing? That's a one in a million chance kind of a thing. So how did you, <laughs> how did you deal with that in your mind of, of the pressure from everybody? Yeah, I think that that time the IT was just booming like anything in the whole world. So they said that the main source of income was there in the IT industry. And then I'm not saying no. But for me, I could not, you know, do the same thing, you know, just reporting to the boss and then sitting in the meeting and doing the same thing. Then what about my goals and, you know, my passion? Because remember, I got this passion from my father's going to the studio and recording. So here I just wanted to pinpoint that my main reason for this is uh, Mr. S.L. Balaji, who is my mentor, who used to record my father's song in the studio. I believe uh, the studio name is uh, Picture Productions. That's where I met him and then, but I was a kid, uh, Matt, I was a kid, even though my father used to sing in the same room with, uh, you know, all the mics in the same room, the percussion, the violins and vocals and everything in the same room. This person, Mr. Balaji used to do everything in the same room and first time I'm seeing a console and I was just stunned the way he was working. He was actually the main spark, which I can definitely highlight and tell that that's the day everything was working for me. Like, I should sit in this seat and I should also do something like this. So, <laughs> so I can call him that he was my inspiration, basically. I was not working under him, but I used to see his work style. I got used to that. And then the studio owner, Mr. Alfred, 
was running this business also so kind person and then very genuine and generous and telling that allowing me any time in the studio to just walk like a client and you know because my father used to do a lot of recordings very nice person so that day because it was that inspiration or the spark which just generated to become today what i'm Hey, our friends over at DistroKid have created the DistroKid app for Android, which allows you to do some key things such as check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30. About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app and I have to report back and say that I'm completely thrilled with it and it's working out quite well. It gives me the ability to upload mixes and masters to the website and provide a super pro looking interface for my clients. They can drop comments in the timeline. They can listen on any device. They can listen to it in high res. And if I want them to pay for the mix or master before they download it, because of the Stripe integration, I can set that up. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Samply, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself, but there's a deal to be had. So use the code WCA20. Go to Samply.app or Samply.app. Use the code WCA20, get 20% off, and you'll be off to the races. It's a fantastic tool that I think you're going to enjoy and will definitely make you look a lot more pro when you're delivering files to clients. Skip that whole business where you send it to them over Dropbox. That looks totally amateur at this point. Use Sampley.app and use that code WCA20 and I think you're going to be really thrilled. Sampley.app. Check it out. Now, how long did you stay in Singapore? About five to six years, if I remember now. And in that time period, had you set up any type of recording environment? Oh, that's a great question, man. Yeah, well, I had uh, just a little a few gears like the, I think the brand name Alice's <laughs> if you remember oh, the yeah. ADAT because yeah so ADAT was a big thing because that time that was the only digital audio multi-track tape and that time I think DigiDesign was just entering the home audio segment that is the first equipment uh, when I got from DigiDesign it was I think 1997 or 99 I don't remember it's the 001 rack yeah, version I remember I think yeah. we call it Pro Tools LE version 5.1 if I'm right I think you're right <laughs> yeah yeah I just got it there and then there was another studio called Parody and wow, that guy, Mr. Raymond, I should also thank him because every week he used to take me from my home and pick me or maybe I just drop into his studio because he was distributing the DigiDesign products in Singapore. So I was like, he used to give his studio and then, Baba, can you just play your percussion instrument so that we can try out something? And then I used to spend a lot of time talking to him about Pro Tools and other stuff. So he used to encourage me. He was also one of the reason I should thank him here for what I am now. He used to take me to different studios because he used to set up a lot of post-production studios in Singapore. But now I don't know what is the story. That was also another reason which got inspired, you know, get into the digital audio. And of course, I love Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you eventually left Singapore. Why did you leave? Because I thought that whatever knowledge 
so far i gained in singapore regarding the computer technology or the gear i acquired i mean even though it is a basic gear stuff i thought that now it's time that i should just go home and set up my own studio and then should record lot of classical based music and then do my best service for this industry for what i am so that's what that was the main interest i had to come here and set up the business so you went back to your hometown exactly and then even though i went there i still i was receiving calls in singapore saying that hey baba i think you have taken a very wrong decision that you have left it but can you work for us like a consultant now i would like to give you a permanent job that does everything i was like see when i was looking for a permanent job you guys never even bothered you were just doing a juggling job <laughs> giving me and shuttling here and there uh, because i was mostly matter was just working on a contract basis not on a permanent solution so then i thought okay enough of this juggling job so i said well i have a different plan in my life so i really appreciate your offer and everything so i just had to quit this mat and then do what i love basically were you scared to quit yeah well uh, scared means money was other thing but people were warning that uh, i think the moment don't think that just because you came from singapore and the moment you open a studio don't think that you're going to be a millionaire or something and don't think you're going to have thousand bookings and hundreds of booking, bookings in a year so that was pretty scary but i took that then after that in 2002 i got married and then my wife is a classical dancer when after building the studio and things were not running that smooth as people said I was just sitting idle for I think about 2 years and nobody just visited my studio and even though they call me they just ask me hey can you convert this cassette to a CD <laughs> that was only job I could get <laughs> and I say okay I said no I can do a very good job for this but even though it is a recording studio I don't mind doing conversion job so even I took that but after that when i told little bit charge which was actually nominal people here were bargaining me and tell oh my god you charge too much whereas the other guy in the next door charges 1/5 of that so i better go there <laughs> so i felt so bad then i should thank my wife uh, telling that see baba you you decided your career and you only said that you want to do your passion right so just do what you like so that was great support from my wife so i never gave up So you you come back to your hometown. Yeah. Eventually you get married. Did you build the studio before you got married or after you got married? No, after I came back only we after we got married then only we started building the studio because being in Singapore and in, instructing someone here to build was I mean it's impossible I mean. So because I want my way, right? So I need to find and then when I was in Singapore I lost all the contact and many people are telling that oh baba you have come for a holiday how long are you going to stay in chennai and when is your other job starting or when are you going back i said well i'll come back for good i'm going to do this and i'm going to be back in my life playing my south indian percussion instrument and i want to be like my old life i want to lead my own life but people never believed they thought that whenever they see me they say hey baba when did you come for the holidays <laughs> I mean they thought that I was settled in Singapore hmm. or I'm settled in Singapore that was the story so it was very tough to digest even when I came but I did not bother because if I keep putting all these things into my ears I can't achieve what is my goal and passion exactly well tell me was it difficult to build your studio yeah actually this is an interesting story first I got some other contact because I lost my mentors Mr Balaji's contact because so many years I was in Singapore so nobody helped me so then what I did is I found someone and then some guy took a lot of money and then cheated me in the construction and then it was not soundproof I could hear all the noise 
just like the normal house and i i was just running the studio for 2 3 years like that then i met my mentor mr balaji and then said oh my god thank god and he came said baba how can you call this a studio it looks shitty it looks it looks so bad how can you call this a studio i was like so pissed off and then i said see i could not get your number so can you do something i need your expert guidance and uh, advice then he uh, shaped me and then my father was so kind that he said just go ahead and then i'll help you baba i mean you don't worry you do what you want so i really thank my father and my family whole family for my support and thank goodness your mentor came back into your life yes yes that was a huge thing and then after that he said okay i'll do it for you and then he took nearly i think 3 and 1/2 months to build this setup and for the audience you got to go let me let me give you the url it's digisoundstudio.com you've got to go and check this out what i love about it just from the pictures i've seen is i love the the colorful fabrics on the wall it's like it's like quintessential indian decor you know it it's really lots of bright colors it's and it's it's like uniquely you and that's what i love about it well thank you matt thank you so much for your kind feedback and i would like to thank again my mentor for choosing the fabrics or the texture <laughs> so it was so awesome and during the construction also i used to pester him and enter into the room and say what are you doing now say baba just go out and then go for some holidays just don't disturb me you know used to fire like this and then said don't keep asking small small questions and i can't concentrate on my work but till now matt it's been now almost 18 to 19 years i can say people who walk into the studio they say that how many months old is this <laughs> that's the only question i get how many months old and it's been there for almost 20 years yeah exactly you're correct yeah so that's the thing and it's a one man studio that is i'm the cleaner i'm the tea boy i'm the chief engineer or whatever you call <laughs> so I don't want any assistance. Tell me about your clients. Like how do you get your clients these days? Oh, that's a good question. Well, now in Chennai particularly the competition is very high. What I do is I take up uh, based on even if it is a small project like you know these upcoming the late 2000 kids I call it basically say 10 or 20 years back the things were not like that. So now because of this a uh, digital audio technology like everybody has a laptop i mean like a macbook pro or something and they have this logic or you know ableton i don't know like fruity loops or i don't care all these composing tools and a lot of people have different ideas so they just do the arrangement in the daw and then say boss can i book your studio i saw you on the net and then i just want to do only the vocals in your studio I said okay then i ask is it an album or is it just a single track they say no sir it's just a single song i need to just do the recording at your place and you can do the mixing and mastering and then we'll do a youtube shooting and then we'll release it online I said okay so i just give it a go so that's the main thing now happening in chennai because a lot of newcomers there are too many newcomers with a lot of creative ideas so i'm open to anything and i also do voice recording even for a ebook or education service or training industry or a voice over for documentary anything i mean i'm not restricting my studio to just do a film based music recording or i'll every time do you know only live live recording or live band or something i'm open to all basically but fortunately you've moved past cassette to cd conversions exactly <laughs> <laughs> so well at that time i even had the 
the Tascam spool four track recorder, Matt, just to do the conversions. Oh, back then. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I still have the uh, Tascam DAT also. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I have my Panasonic DAT right here. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. I know. It's and and it's I'm sure you remember it from back in the day of of, of the nineties. Yeah. Well, so do you advertise at all? The thing is, I do a little bit of Facebook promotion. I'm not very much active, but kind of because already people are finding me on the net through the site and then they call me to do mainly for online mixing and mastering. So I take the files. I don't know. I get calls sometimes from Bangalore or Delhi or even Lucknow or even Kolkata, sometimes Bombay, not very much. But a lot of people are there uh, sending me remotely all the files to do just the mixing and mastering by seeing my sample work on my site. I think if you go to my samples, you can see a lot of my work. And you said there's a lot of competition. Yeah. And what kind of studios are those that you're in competition with? Well, see, there are many startup studios also with very high-end gears. And then a lot of these youngsters, I think they go to abroad. I feel that they study maybe from big, big universities like Berkeley or something. And they, their parents are also very helpful, I think. And they set up their own big studio. And I can't say they are my competitors, but the thing is, today it's like become a show. Like if you have something very big console or very big controller, they think that, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> but I want to break the barrier here, thinking that even with like a dynamic mic having an SM58 or something, you can still create quality content if you have a right acoustics and the right ears for that. So then I started, also my passion was teaching the way I explain because I used to do a lot of presentations when I was in IT. So I was also a good trainer. That training thing I love to do for audio. So I initially started conducting a lot of workshop initially, like how to do recording at home using a small Zoom recorder or something. And then when people attended my classes, and things were just going on like that. Some people and some parents were asking, see, you are teaching just for two, three hours workshop. That is fine. But that is amazing. But why don't you start conducting a full-fledged audio course for my son or, you know, daughter who are aspiring sound engineers or who would like to become a sound engineer or a music production guy. So then I thought of setting up my another entity called digisoundacademy.com, so which you can visit. So that's how I started that. We'll put a link in the show notes to that for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Matt. So that's how it went. You're doing a wide variety of things. You're definitely diversifying in, in all these different areas because you're not only doing the educa the audio education thing, but you're doing the, the voiceovers for various things. You're doing mixing and mastering remotely. What percentage of clients visit your studio versus not? Is a lot of your work based around mixing and mastering remotely, or is it mostly voiceover and education work? Well, now from last year, actually I was, I'm doing the voiceover work for a company called Storytel, the Swedish-based company. I'm doing the typical Tamil, South Indian language mystery novels or classic novels. So I find that interesting because kind of when you press record, I think you can hear also the stories. <laughs> so it's not just behave as an audio engineer. So that was fun. And uh, it's going on still. And then this single release album, which I told, is not happening that much now because uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic or whatever. So people don't visit now. After that, again, people will start coming for that. But main thing is this internet online mixing is a big boon for me because 
people even in this quarantine people some people are still sending some files hey baba can you just do this thing and just upload it because i'm trying to do a single video on my youtube because i'm at home but i just used my dynamic mic and just a cheap sound card and then can you just tailor the thing and then do a mixing and mastering for me I said okay yes i never said no <laughs> just to keep the show running well we are at a time i'm going to let you go it was great to chat with you we'll stay in touch of course Yes, Matt, definitely. Th- hey, man, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you. My pleasure, Matt. It's a great honor to be on your side. Well, it's a great honor to have you on. So Thank you so much. I know it's late there. It's 9 o'clock here, and it's 12 and a half hours difference, so that means it's 9.30, 9.30 p.m. there? Yes, correct. Well, you have a great evening, and I'll let you go. And thanks again, Baba. It's great to, great to chat with you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, take care. Our friends over at Cali Audio have just introduced the brand new LP UNF system, which is meant to give you everything you need from a studio monitor in a package that you can basically set up anywhere. And the system is specifically designed for your desk. So no matter how else you're using your desk, reflections from the drivers to the desk to your ears are accounted for giving you a perfectly clear picture of your mix that you can rely on to translate well. Whether you're putting them on stands behind your desk, on a desk away from walls, on a desk against a wall, on a desk on speaker stands away from the walls, there's a number of configurations and they have settings on the back to accommodate all of that and more. And if price is a concern, never fear. They're priced at $299. That's right, pretty affordable. Head on over to caliaudio.com and check out the new LP UNF. All the way from Chennai, India, Baba Prasad here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. want to thank the crew. That includes Anne-Marie Plow on the editing, Cliff Truesdale on the Working Class Audio theme song, and the magical voice of Chuck Smith. Be sure to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Spread the word. Tell all your friends, whether they're in audio or not. And until next time, take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like, and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.